Hi, everyone. Ellie Noss here. Hi, dear listeners. Hi, new listeners. Uh, Atomic Moms Podcast is a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I join forces with celebrities, best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world to hear their unique experiences raising a child. Today, I am uh, on the Warner Brothers lot. The cast has the week off um, of Undateable. Otherwise, I would have been dragging Bianca's butt in here. Um, I know we all miss her so much. I got to see her the other day. Okay, I won't brag about it too much. Anyway, um, so I am in my husband's office, and I will be interviewing Randall Winston for you all and he's an incredible producer on the show. I'll jump in in a moment uh, into his bio to, to you know, tell you more about him. But sitting in my husband's office, it's such a funny thing. It almost feels like uh, take your wife to work day or something. It's a big room. Uh, it is practically empty. I've always made fun of him for it. <laughs> I've always sort of fantasized like, oh, I'll come in here and I'll make it great, which isn't true because I have uh, plenty of my own projects. I don't need to wipe my husband's ass. But he always says that he leaves it like this because he doesn't want his office to feel like a second home. He wants to have that need to go home to us, that this is where he works and then he comes home to us. On the other hand, Randall down the hall, his office, man that's like a resort. It's a, uh, it's, it's so nice in there. Um, if I got a fancy office, I would make it more like Randall's. I'd want everything around, but my husband does have about 12 photographs printed out that are on the desk. And so now I've got them scattered out and they're all pictures of our little two-year-old Sabrina, which is the cutest damn thing. Isn't it wild watching these kids go from you know, these tiny little cherubic beings and then they they keep getting bigger, but there's that same essence. She still has, there's like a goofiness in this photo that, that she still has as a two-year-old. I love it. Okay, I apologize for my cold. No, I don't apologize. I'm just going to be sick forever. I give up. Um, <clears throat> Randall Winston. Our guest today, I'm going to read a little bit of his bio. He's the producer of the beloved comedy series Scrubs, which won like every award ever. Soon after graduating Ohio University with a degree in communications, Randall Winston packed his car and headed west to follow his dreams. Upon arrival in L.A., he made his way to all the studios to distribute his resume. In a strange set of circumstances... I mean, this gets me really excited. Okay, guys, lean in, listen, turn it up. Uh, in a strange set of circumstances, while handing out resumes, someone asked six foot six Winston to help hang something in the office. And the next thing he knew, Randall Winston was working for Gary David Goldberg of Family Ties. Randall worked all his way up in the post-production department on all of Goldberg's shows, leading him to become one of the producers of the hit comedy Spin City. Following Spin City, he became producing partners with Bill Lawrence on Scrubs, Cougartown, and Undateable. He resides in Los Angeles with his husband, Michael, their eight-year-old son, Spencer, and their four-year-old daughter, Marlo. 
That's so crazy. He offered to hang something in an office, and then his entire career took off. You never know what's going to be the thing that gets you in the door. And we better be willing to help out in any way that we're needed. This is one incredible man. He walks in a room, and you can't help but smile. I want to talk to him about what's it like having a crazy job like this and still balancing home life. What was it like adopting two children? And how did you decide to have biracial children? What's it like, you know, being in a biracial same-sex marriage? I'm really excited about this episode. Be right back. Okay, ready? (laughs) Hey, listeners, we're back with Mr. Randall Winston. Hello, hello. I told him that I shared the story about, you know, you being asked to hang shit on the wall. Yes, all Um, true. And so tell us what you just said. Uh, So I was just saying that uh, I'm I'm prone to blathering on a bit, and and I had an intern who'd pull quotes of the day. And so the one that's hanging on the wall right now is, carry the ball as far as you can, because I was just, we were working and I was getting frustrated about Stopping doing something to sort of go back and check with a bunch of people about, you know, is this the way to do it? And I, I said, you know what? You just carry the ball as far as you can. And when you hit a wall, then that's where the wall is. And then you, you start from there again. Uh, and that way you are actually being helpful and making something happen and, and learning something at the same time. That's your dad bomb. We have mom bombs on yeah. the show, which is like ah. kind of a, a swift kick in the butt right. <laughs> or like, you know, or other people, more uh, positive people, would call that inspiration, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and that's your your dad bomb. I yeah. love it. I think uh, I think a kick in the butt sometimes is inspiration. I yeah. agree. That's what I need. Um, I want our listeners to know we read your bio. Um, personally, I consider you the uh, the carry. You just got nervous. You just your your <laughs> eyebrows just kind of did a little like twitch. Um, you're like the Carrie Washington of Hollywood. You are like in Scandal. That's so you're, sweet of you. You have so many jobs, but I think the one that nobody else can probably do as well as you is you're the fixer. Like you are Carrie Washington. <laughs> you're like the the hot thing. You're like the sexy fixer. I should wear more white like Carrie Washington because she, she fucking looks awesome. Doesn't oh, I'm she sorry, look? I that's fine. Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm realizing, you know how you learn stuff about yourself and, and wh- what you like and maybe why those are strengths or, or, or uh, challenges in your life? And I, I like fixing stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, was, uh, I, I just had to turn it off because somebody uh, who I'm working with ten- tangentially had mentioned to me about, uh, about a, a problem, about somebody who was putting work on them that really, in a traditional setup of a production, shouldn't be on their plate. And the, for the past three days, I can't help myself but try and fix it. I'm like, I'm like, you know what should happen? I'm like, this is the way it should go down. I was like, because that person should be doing this. And I, I said, I can call these other people and negotiate out a thing so that they can, he can have this other, these other people. It's a, an accounting procedure. He can farm it out. I'm like, and then t- take it off your plate. So I just sent him an email. I'm like, I'm, I guess if it's not bothering you, I have to let it go. But <laughs> I can't <laughs> I help but not try and produce it. I know. Because my husband, uh, I was talking to Adam this morning, and uh, he was joking around. He was like, yeah, you know, if you need the entire cast to be made up as puppets, you call Randall. <laughs> like, if the script isn't done, you call Randall. If the moon is in your shot and you need it lassoed and, like, moved out of frame, you call Randall. 
It's very generous. Very generous of, of Adam. I mean, first of all, I love working with Adam. He's awesome. Yeah, he's but, cute. Uh, he's adorable. I'll keep him. <laughs> you keep him? He's, a, he's worth keeping. He is. Um, and, uh, and, he's a good starter husband. <laughs> Eight years uh, in, I think. Oh my god! I, th- I, but I do feel like, you know, there's there is uh, satisfaction and, and joy for me in trying to to groom the path, you know, because I f- I feel like then we can all bring our best game. And how do you do that at home? Like, does that come out at home, or does and in your relationship in your marriage with Michael, is he like, hey, stop producing our home life? Oh yeah, do not. Pro- he doesn't. He does not want to be produced. And. <laughs> That is faux show. But, you know, it is also, it's also good. It's probably one of the things that I love about him. He is very clear and very certain and quick to sort of narrow down um, things. Like sometimes, sometimes he'll say to me, you know, that's okay. Like this is, this is the answer. Let's move forward on, on that plan. We're going to go to, we're going to, we're going to go on vacation on that date and you're not going to be able to be at that basketball game to coach and that's okay because my inclination is like well if you go ahead with with uh, our daughter and then I'll keep Spencer back and he and I will go to the game and we'll fly there and we'll meet you at the game and like I'm always trying to create more options or you know give give an opportunity for everybody to participate in in some way and that is not his jam, <laughs> but it's good for me, you know. To, so, to, what does to, he say to you? Like, because I'm a, f- a little bit of a fixer. Yeah, I'm not able to do it at your capacity, I, and I don't I do it with that. sort of like the optimism that you have. I let it kind of like spin me out a little bit. <laughs> right. You do it in this like, oh man, it's just such in such an empowered way. But what does Michael say to you? To get you to back to get off. Me to stop. Like, to... what could Adam say to me to get me to back off where it doesn't piss me off? Right. Well, I didn't say it didn't piss me off. But, <laughs> uh, but um, you know, it is, it really is, in the most recent example, it is about just trying to give me some peace about it being okay. You know, part of it is, it's ego driven also because, you know, Michael, Michael will say to me, he's like, he's like, everybody, doesn't want you there. He's like, he's like, they're going to be okay if Randall Winston is not present, or or that thing will move forward without you. Like, <laughs> calm down, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to hear that, but I'm like, okay, I, I will accept that. Yeah. Um, when Adam was describing you as you know being able to basically move the moon, you're able to do one of your incredible qualities is being able to do the undoable. Or fix the unfixable. And it brings to mind Steve Jobs for me and reality distortion field. And I'm because you have it, man. It's there's there are a lot of big no's that are glaring. And but you, you gotta, somehow move it around. You finesse it. I you, believe in yes. You massage the no until it turns into a maybe and then a yes. I you uh, fluff the no. Like how does this? I happen? feel like I I feel like it is all about how to yes and that um, uh, and that uh, I guess reality dis- distortion. I always say you know what you know what the because you have to you have to really sort of dig in and talk to people and and it's a lot about what people want you know like one of the things 
when I sort of had an impossible task in my first producing job, and I didn't know I didn't know what to do to get people to convince them. It's like, you know, I'm calling Marvin Hamlish at home, you know, because I'm I snuck this number and I'm begging. I told my you know, my my mother took me to see his shows, or uh, uh, so you know, can you just please do, do this for me? And and trying to find a connection with people because I think that we all have something to share and, and people want to help you. And, and I say there's a, there is a trick to, um, to making, belie- making people believe that you care about their issue. And the trick is actually caring. I really care. You know what I mean? I feel like in those moments that I'm sharing with somebody – you know, yes, I do want something or I want, you know, to carry the ball a little bit further, but it's not, you know, I, I'm I'm not false or I try very hard not to be false to myself. And I think that helps guide me in being uh, and having some honesty and some real exchanges with people. You know, it's like, look, this is this is really what it comes down to. I need this because this is what's going on. The, the people that I work with, it's important to them because of this and therefore it's important to me. You know, how can I help you uh, in some other way? Or just buy them food. <laughs> <laughs> How have you noticed that come up with your children? Because I find Sabrina has, oh man, she is beautiful reality distortion at oh, yeah. the age of two. She thinks she's Taylor Swift when she gets out that guitar. <laughs> and I'm curious how you've, I assume, because you know this is a, a quality that it seems like you have you know, that you have in you, but you've also let thrive. How, you know, how do you keep that going with your kids? Um, you know, you're, you're so right. It's like you, I mean, because, because they're such little reflections, it's like the the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you're always trying to reinforce, uh, the behavior you want. And, um, I, I think, you know, maybe there's a, uh, a bunch of things depending on the day. You know, really, you know how kids are. You, like you're really trying to to read them. And the great thing is, is that uh, uh, kids are they're so smart, but they're not that clever. Like they don't. You can you can sort of see it coming when they're trying to when they're trying to run a game on you, and 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 you want them to come up with some information. So sometimes I, lately, it's been a lot about trying not to react. And you know, like. And and have a big reaction, especially if it's too. Uh, I, I don't want to reinforce negative behavior. And then um, we've been working. I, I, I'm always trying to work uh, on gratitude. You know, so like at the end of the day, it's uh, uh, you know what was the best part of your day, and and why, and um, you know who, whatever activity that they maybe were involved with, just trying to get tease out something about it and it may not be for that moment it's so that i can have something that's relatable to them when i'm trying to communicate a lesson you know a, a teachable moment because inevitably you know it's the it's the big moment when i think i'm really saying something and they've lost interest and they're playing something else or they're, they're or, or they're they're looking back at me like you know i mean spencer will say to me sometimes spencer's my um eight-year-old son marlo is my four-year-old girl She'll be five in March. But he'll look at me sometimes and say, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> or, you know. Um, so it's like feeding the meter. It's like yeah. you, you, or I don't know. That's the way I think of it. It's like you're 
finding out these things about your children when they're when they're open and they're available to talk or you're just kind of like brainstorming about like well, what's going on in your life so that when you do need to step up as a parent in a way that they understand the lesson that you have the language or you know how exactly. to relate to them exactly so you're not just showing up to change them or fix them all the time it's like right. you got to put in the time or, first or just drop something in that's that's not relatable to them you know i mean I, you know Spencer is uh, is of an age where he started to play some games, you know, on on the iPad, you know. So there's, I may look at that and say, <clears throat> I'll play around with him, you know, and he builds something in Minecraft, you know. And so then when we're when we're having a conversation about, you know, uh, about patience or about or about uh, sticking with something, you know, or, or, and why it's important or or how how you do it, I'll relate it to something that he's doing on a regular basis. You know, I'm like it's like in Minecraft. You know, when you and I built that firehouse and uh, you know how we had to redo this one little piece of it to make it better. You know, sometimes you have to you have to do that in speaking um, his language <laughs> exactly. Um, That's great. Which is, uh, I mean, I'm way too old, so it's very foreign language, but yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait to have a boy, and then I'm going to have to start doing that. Because right now, it's I like am, all the stuff I like, but you're right. With like, your beautiful, beautiful Minecraft, girl. Minecraft, yeah. But, uh, uh, That'll be tough for me. He is the most boy, boyish boy, and she is the girliest girl. I mean, this morning, uh, getting her dressed for school, I was working backwards from a tutu. So like... <laughs> Because that was for sure what she wanted to wear. And then I, I still got a little criticism on my shoe choice. And, and, and Michael is much better with her hair. You know, he, he's great at doing you know, all sorts of twists. She has this beautiful curly hair. But, um, I, you know, I found out one time that she would, she would, like, turn me in if I didn't put bows in her hair. <laughs> like, you know, she'd, she'd be like, she calls Michael Giga. Uh, she's like, Giga? I, Giga. Which is how did uh, you get that? She, she, um, well, when uh, when Spencer was a baby, and you know we, we had had this big conversation, you know, to talk about laying out a plan, and and life just happens. So we would sit in front of the baby, and we would say, you know, I point to myself, Papa, Dada, Papa, Dada, pointing to Michael, saying Dada. We were trying to reinforce this, and he, he, the baby looked at us and said, Papa, Giga. <laughs> And, uh, but you know, it, it, we, we tried giga. to correct it, but then all the other kids at preschool were like, we want to have a giga too. And, and then, uh, and so I, do. I want Michael to be my giga. <laughs> so I love that. it's really great. Do you, um, can you talk a little bit about the process of adoption and oh. the, you mean I, the best thing that ever happened to me? <laughs> oh, yes, please. Can you talk yeah. about that? And, to and, us, and I should say. talk about, um, because for our listeners, Michael's white, and so sort of, you know, having a biracial marriage and then choosing adoption, and wh- how did race come up with that? Right. Well, I I, I used to I, I used to love to joke when we first got into the into the program when I was describing it to the people. I say, you know, they, they they tell you, you know, adoption can be a very long process. It can take years. You know, you should have a lot of patience, and um, and uh, you know. Et cetera, et cetera. And I, then we'd say, well, you know, we want a biracial baby. They go, oh, we got three in the back. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm totally kidding. But um, it, it was a faster no, process? It, 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 our process was, uh, I mean, our process was our process. Spencer took nine months, funny enough. Wow. But we worked with uh, we worked with an amazing uh, group called Adopt Help. They're, they're here in the Valley. Okay, uh, it's called uh, Adopt Help? Adopt Help. They're on Ventura. And... Um, 
And uh, so you you we met with them. There's uh, the obvious sort of legal uh, background work that you go through, but but you you fill out the two big forms are basically you know about um, about the child that you're hoping for, you know, and uh, and you know if where does special needs rate in your life and what is uh, race you know do you just want white do you just want uh, Asian or black do you just want a boy or a girl you know obviously the more open you are there uh, the more opportunities there are and then and then you tell about yourself and then you make um, what essentially is a sales brochure about yourself you put you know your best pictures (laughs) and your best self forward and but then you have, but you have to write a letter, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, in our opinion, it was important to to praise the birth mother for for making this choice. It's a hard choice, you know. You, it it's uh, you know, lots of 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 women make other perfectly viable choices to terminate pregnancy or to do whatever you know to to be a woman who is willing to carry the child and then be brave enough to give it up is a gigantic thing. You know, she gave us, there's two women out there that gave us the greatest gifts that we could ask for. And so, so, so that piece with your information goes out to prospective birth mothers and in the process that we went through. And, and so she gets, she gets your little dossier and, and uh, goes through it. And, and uh, when you match, Meaning that you know you you get selected. She usually selects, I think, like three. So, but if you're number one on the thing, you get a phone call. You've been selected. You know, then you get her story. This is this is who she is. This is how it happened. You know, as much as that she has shared with them, and then they say, you know, do you want to meet? And um, you know, that's it's it, it's very uh, you have to give over to a lot of faith. You know, it's like it's kind of like you know, this moment when I, if this feels right, then, then that's all I can really go on. And with Spencer, you know, we had matched once early, but it didn't feel right. And then, then you say no, then you're feeling completely fucked. You're like, I'm yeah. like, where my baby at? Like, no, now I'm never going to yeah. match. But in both cases, you know, you know, uh, so, so we got on the phone with, um, with his mom and, and, that was like a house on fire. We all felt like the the conversation went so fantastically, um, and uh, and she was very thoughtful. You know, she was late in her pregnancy, but when she finally signed over the paper, so we knew the baby was coming quickly. But uh, this was a Friday night. Uh, she we hung up. The adoption agency was closed, so we didn't have anybody to call back and say, you know, we we want to do this. So Saturday comes and we go out and party and celebrate. And Sunday comes and we went and. Uh, with our f- other friends who had, had just adopted from the same agency and uh, went to Babies R Us and freaked oh. out <laughs> and ran home. Uh, and then the, the only th- we left that we left that store with two things: um, a box of diapers and a super cute Halloween costume that we couldn't leave without. <laughs> it was like a little chicken. So uh, so anyway, and then on Monday. Um, she went into labor. So suddenly we were oh my God. thrust into this. We drove like 48 up. hours, you're a parent. So we, yeah, so we drive up to um, Fresno, which is where uh, where, the, where they were. And, um, you know, like, I don't even know how to put the baby seat in. And, we, and, and we're, we're freaking out. And, 
long story short, when we I called back to By the uh, way, we were at the hospital. We didn't know how to put the baby seat in either. Because <laughs> yeah. Sabrina was born two weeks early, so we had to have like this the, the, the baby fireman. seat driver. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I went yeah, to the, yeah. the fire department. Okay, well, we tried to go to the fire department. They weren't doing it there. And then I had the baby two weeks early, so some guy had to come to the hospital to show us. And then he like came into the hospital room with this fake baby to try to show us how to it was very um, just just get it done beforehand, people. Yeah. Don't don't be get like Randall and me. Get it done and and practice because and practice. people do it all wrong. I went to this car safety event and it's like a million people do it wrong. Do it wrong and it's not easy. Like there, no. but there was, there, you know, you know, in and those in, in those in those first few months when like everything seems overwhelming. So literally, hard. I think uh, I think Michael. Like at work was almost in tears. Oh, yeah. Like I had to have somebody come out and help us get the ba- the baby seat back. And I was like, I was like, oh, who, yeah. who recently had a kid? All this equipment is crazy, right? Yeah. Adam had to come home from Undateable. You don't know this, uh, you know, because he was working that first crazy okay, hours. The first uh, season of Undateable it was insane hours, insanity, like totally, never ending, never ending. And he was at work, and I had this tiny baby, and I didn't know how to work the new stroller. I couldn't get it undone, and I had to leave the house. And I was so in like a postpartum well of something. He had to come home from work to figure out how to work the stroller for the infant car seat situation and then go back to work. You know who knows how to work those strollers? (laughs) Which I found out. The valet. They've seen them all. The valet whipped that thing out and put it it together. So so right. Uh, and we didn't, and we had not. That uh, is a great point. We didn't buy the stroller because we ran out of town so quick. We came home. Everybody, everybody who I worked with on the show that I worked on at the time had filled our house with everything oh, that baby needs, bottle warmers. And this, I mean, we, we were in tears. It was the most well, and and I know now as as uh, somebody recounted the story, they called back. My assistant called the office and said they have a box of diapers and a chicken suit. <laughs> That's it. A chicken they, suit. They need everything. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what kind of chicken? It was the chicken costume, the uh, the baby chicken costume. Oh my gosh! It was too cute to leave in Baby's R Us. Oh my gosh, this is so funny, and it gives me so much anxiety just imagining you back in that place. <laughs> you figured out a lot since then. You've produced a beautiful, wonderful family. I want to talk to you for a moment about um, your the birth mothers, yeah. and and do you have relationships with them now? And yes, and what's are... that about? Well, you know, everybody on the planet has a mom. I mean, that's just the biology of it. You know, and our kids. We'll know that, or they'll figure it out at some point. And we thought it was, and you know, all the studies show that uh, that uh, open is a very healthy way to go. And so we chose to have open adoptions with with both of our kids. And so, and that's another thing. You know, the way while you're still in the hospital, you're trying to make an agreement about stuff you have no idea about. So you know, we're open. What does that mean? So you know, okay, well, in the first couple months, you know, we'll be sending you pictures every you know every month and we'll try and orchestrate a visit you know twice a year or something like that maybe around significant things because you know the babies are changing so much in those early months and 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 for my own peace of mind I thought it was important to to keep that connection because you know for health reasons if something happened to to my kids and and we were trying to unravel the mystery you know uh, you know, my sister has lupus. It's it's not applicable because it's not hereditary. But like you know, being able to tick things off the list when she was sick and going to all the relatives and asking them was really an important part of that process. And and I, it, w- it just horrified me if I thought there was no connection. Now 
you know, you don't want to adopt the whole family. So there's this whole other thing that you go through about, um, <clears throat> you know, when their family is going through something, you know, or or, or their ups and downs and, and whatever those needs are, don't want to take them all on. So, you know, so you're trying to find a balance. You're trying to find lines. But but again, for me, sort of the the definition is that I want my kids to be able to have an open relationship. They have a, a, a birth mother. That's, that's a fact. And, um, and I want to be able to look them in the face when they ask me the question, you know, you know, did they ever ask you for help and were you able to help or did you ever, uh, you know, what did you know about my mother, I need to be able to have some transparency and, and, uh, so they can have clarity. And I think it's good for the relationship that we're building. How do you talk to your children about race? You know, um, that's interesting one. You know, it's so funny, actually. I I have this, uh, 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 well, well, two things. One is because they're mixed, you know, um, I think it started very simply, you know, like when, we, when Michael and I are together, it's like it takes a little bit of of me pointing to my skin color and a little bit of Giga to to, <laughs> make, to you know to make this. And and we actually we were at a bookstore and they were having a book signing of a a book called uh, I Am Mixed, and it was so funny because the author was there signing it and I he practically tackled me in the. <laughs> In, in in between the books, he's like he's like this book is for you. You get you have to get this for your kids, you know. And and it, that one's very sort of uh, sweet. But um, it, it, there's nothing sort of uh, uh, hard and fast. Is so much as it is it as it is about inclusion and recognition. You know, I don't want to ever bury that that there are the differences. But I, what I was going to say is at Christmas time, I had one of these funny sweaters from Undateable, you know, there was the tipsy elves. So I had my Santa Claus sweater, and it's Black Santa. He's a, and it, and uh, it just says Believe on it. And so we're having our, uh, our big Christmas Day uh, open house party, and Marlo comes up to me at one point, and she, go, she goes, Papa, the Santa in your sweater has brown skin, but that's not what Santa looks like, right? And, I, you know, I'm like t- caught totally off guard, you know, I'm, and here's out of the mouths of babes and trying to figure out, like, am I going to have the jokey answer? And um, and this other mom, the other mom, another parent who was standing next to me, she goes, she goes, well, Santa's magical. Santa can be any color he wants to be. She said, she said, my Santa's purple. And that was such a great way to sort of diffuse it. Um, but I, I think what I try and do is just use the proper language. My mother was big on, you know, call the thing what it is. I mean, I think, you know, we, we were, the, I was the only kid in my class, you know, saying penis, vagina, and nose dirt instead of boogers, you know, cock and <laughs> whatever. But, uh, uh, so you know when they when when they talk about people or identify people as being of uh, of different and disparate uh, races and religions, you know, we just try and give the information and be honest. You were just mentioning your Christmas party. Um, <laughs> I would love to know a little bit more about your family traditions. 
Can you describe this Christmas party? We've oh, been yeah. invited two no. years now. I know. We haven't gone. You have to. You should come. We it's, need to come. It's it really, ridiculous. It really is becoming my favorite day it, it, because, for the very reason that it is, uh, that it is, the tradition that we're building for our family. You know, it, which has a little bit of Michael's family in it, and a little bit of mine, and 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 what we are building together. You know, I, uh, I actually, I, I I'm. I'm getting touched by that phrase because it, I found a card in my bag yesterday that was from Michael on our last anniversary saying, uh, you know, just I love what we're building together. And I, of course, used the card to write a mean note to him because I was mad at him about something else. <laughs> but but he did, he, he did say that. And, um, uh, and so Christmas Day, Michael is, is half Italian. He's half Italian, half Irish, which I say – in Worcester, Massachusetts, that is a mixed marriage. So, <laughs> but, I went to school in Western Mass, yeah, so, so you know. I get it. So on the Italian side, you know, his mother c- cooks like crazy. And it's inspired Michael to be, be in what his second career is, which is all about food. He's a caterer and a food stylist. And, and so uh, she used to cook on Christmas for all the relatives. In Worcester, like everybody, I think he might be the only person in his family that left at uh, um and so he cooks enough food for an army. He does, I mean, I, I, uh, it's like eight pounds of pasta and, you know, some uh, beef tenderloin and, you know, and, and people people will ask for their favorites. And then we get up and we have our Christmas morning with the kids and we open, open the gifts and we, you know, do some FaceTime with our respective families back in uh, – around the country and um and then around three o'clock we fling open the doors and and uh and our chosen family comes in you know the the door just stays open and people come i mean and it, it is all day and all night and 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 i pick a christmas carol every year and everybody sings and we eat and, and it feels like um and the kids love it now. I mean, the kid, our kids are starting to look forward to it, and they ask which friends they can bring and who's going to be there. And you know, uh, Gabe's Jewish; can he still be invited? You know, it's like, his, uh, and uh, and they just run around like crazy, and the parents run around like crazy, and we all eat and drink and be merry. And and uh, and I feel like that feels like Christmas to me now. And I feel like we get to spend time. You know, like how sometimes you have a party and you don't feel like you really got to talk to anybody. I feel like I talk to everybody, and and uh, I do make quite a bourbon punch. So that is. <laughs> so. Oh my god! I was thinking, oh yeah, Randall. <laughs> I'm gonna have to share the video of us doing dirty dancing oh, in the hallway. Oh my god! Because somebody posted that on Twitter. Did I they? can't believe I haven't been discovered yet from that video. I mean, here's the problem. You do the worm uh, like nobody. <laughs> oh, that too. I know. I was doing the worm in the hallway. Here's the thing, Adam. I think he could have been a politician. He's definitely smart enough. Yep. Um, and he's, prob- got, he's got the looks. He's, he's got, got the smile. The looks. Yeah. Um, the problem is, it's like when John Kerry was running for president, and Adam was always like, "Oh, you're my Teresa Hines," because <laughs> <laughs> he could have a really good shot. The problem is, he's married to someone who has a loose screw and gets a little wild and has a big mouth, and sometimes she shows up at work and ends up dancing with Randall and getting flipped over. Because I mean, come on, moms. Is there any bigger dream than having this six foot six man like lift you up 
like you're in dirty dancing, like coming out of the water. I mean, it's a dream. You got to take it when you can get it. Uh, so poor Adam is like working and sick. And meanwhile, I'm dancing in the hallway a little tipsy. I was, we, I think we had a good, I think we had a very good showing. I yeah. We, maybe we should be entering a dance contest. Maybe that's the upshot of that. And Adam's crazy. You could be the, be, the people's princess. The pe- <laughs> and- oh, that's good. Well, I am, when we come back, I'm going to be talking all about your beautiful sister. Oh, um, I'm, I'm crazy about her and she's. And you share a kidney. That's true. That's true. Frankly, I think it was happy to get out, but I think it was, <laughs> she needed it. Oh, my God. The kidney was like, I'm better off. Check you. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Randall, you always make me laugh. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you have about 50 fires to put out right now, so thank you for having, uh, for having us. Thank you for my having pleasure. us on our show. <laughs> I'll be right back, listeners. This is a family episode, actually, because I've been meaning to talk to Randall for a long time. He's such a busy man that I I didn't want to bug him about it, right? And then at Christmas, he did the most beautiful thing. He gave Adam and me these cards. And on the card, it was this, this drawing of our family. It was my husband and me and our daughter, Sabrina. And it was so sweet. And then he shared that his sister made these drawings. She does these family portraits. And I thought it was so lovely. And then I started emailing with her. And she shared this incredible, incredible story about her life. So I asked Randall's sister, Karen, to answer a few questions for me. Um, But I asked her just to answer these off the top of her head. I didn't want her to put a ton of thought into it. I just wanted it to come straight from the heart. So here's what we got. You know, she's been drawing and doodling as long as she can remember, making pictures of elementary school teachers, drawing animated pictures of classmates and teams that she participated on, and she's made homemade cards for everyone. It's just something she was always doing. And so I asked her, why does she love it? And she said she began to love it when she started making drawings as gifts for other people, and when she saw how much people enjoyed having something that was made just for them, it made her really happy. And thinking about the details that make a drawing really capture their personalities is so much fun. And so she started giving them as birthday gifts and anniversaries and Christmas gifts, any reason at all. And when I asked her about parenting advice, here's what she said. I would tell parents that it is important to feed your own creative soul just as you feed and nurture your children. Our kids become our main priority, but they also thrive on our expression of happiness. It makes me a better parent to be in a place of peace and patience and fulfillment. Oh, so good. Okay. And, and I asked her, you know, what do you hope your daughter will always remember about you? And she says, I hope my daughter will remember that I always see her that she will never be alone, and that she can always come to me because the unspoken bond between a mother and daughter is unbreakable. We may explore many different aspects of our relationship along the way, but the constant of knowing that there is no one who will love her more and want the best for her life more than her mother. 
And so I asked her also about her health issues. And she said, I have learned many things through the challenges of living with a health issue and the uncertainty of what that future brings. I have lupus, which is an autoimmune disease whereby the body makes antibodies that attack one's own healthy tissue. There's currently no cure for lupus and the range of symptoms and manifestations are vast. Lupus can attack any organ or part of the body, including the joints, bones, skin, lungs, brain, kidneys, and heart. In my case, lupus has many effect has mainly affected my joints and my kidneys and subsequently caused complete renal failure. I was very fortunate and feel extremely blessed to have had the support of my entire family and many amazing friends. I ultimately received a kidney from my brother Randall, who was a perfect match. We celebrated our 16-year kidney anniversary this past September. I have learned that nothing is unsurmountable with the love and support of those closest to you in your life, that you have strength you never knew lived within you. That patience is a valuable virtue because not everything will happen on your time frame. I have found the blessings and experiences that others may think are detrimental. And I have incredible appreciation for each day, whatever it may bring. My health has constant ups and downs, but I consider myself very lucky. My lupus is treated with medications that help to suppress my symptoms. I take one day at a time, but I feel that a positive attitude goes a long way to feeling good and enjoying life despite whatever obstacles are brought forth. I loved her response to my questions. Um, she, I, I just have this thing for people who have had kind of the crap kicked out of them and who are able to come back so resiliently and celebrate their creativity. And I have so many of the people that I love more than anything, they're the ones who have had an autoimmune disease or, you know, Karen had lupus. Like I after my tumor, I just started realizing like sometimes these crappy, crappy events, they like warm us up for all the love that's available to us. I couldn't accept help before my tumor. I still am kind of crappy at it, but I, but I recognize that people are on my side and they want to help me. And if I need help, I can ask for it. And there's something about these challenges that makes a lot of us realize that within ourselves. And I, I just love surrounding myself with people like that. I actually have two guests coming up who both have had autoimmune diseases. And and that's just like a, a tiny part of them. But it's part of what cleared the way for them to be who they are and to have the positive outlook they have. Karen Wilson's website on Etsy is cartoonartdesigns.etsy.com. That's cartoonartdesign.etsy.com. And uh, I'm going to leave you with her, her own mom bomb. It's a quote from Randall and her father that she's adopted as her own. And it relates to her pre-lupus life as an accomplished athlete and track enthusiast. And it is, you start the race from where you stand. She says it resonates with her and the advice she gives to her daughter. To her, it says, we start from here and now and that nothing is too great to overcome. So my dear listeners, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. <laughs>